Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm your host, Terry Arango, with my guest, Lisa Rudley. Lisa Rudley is a special needs financial planner with Clark Dodge Asset Management and the mother of three children. For the last five years, Lisa has utilized a variety of healing modalities to help her son with autism spectrum disorder and has helped many others in her community to improve the lives of children and families living with autism. She is a Reiki master and a certified holistic health practitioner, and she has worked extensively with homotoxicology and various supportive therapies, including neurofeedback, Handle, NAIA, Vision Therapy, Brain Gym, and Tomatis. Lisa is the secretary of the National Autism Association New York Metro Chapter. She has also been moderating a local Westchester support group for the past four years, which was just named the NAA Westchester subchapter. Our topic today is lifting the haze of autism. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Terry. Glad to be here. Lisa, when was your son Max born? He was born April 25th, 2002. And how was he? He was my, he's my second child. He was born strong and healthy. Uh, he received an Abgar of nine. Uh, it was uneventful uh, delivery, and he uh, came after my daughter, who uh, was 18 months older than him, so she was 18 months at the time, and I had Max, and he was strong, beautiful, and healthy. All right, so you said that it was an un- uneventful delivery. Um, was it also an uneventful pregnancy? What were his? What was his prenatal history uh, and his birth and neonatal history like? Uh, pretty much his, um, my uh, pregnancy was uh, fine, no issues, no health issues. Um, I had a predetermined um, hypothyroidism at the time. I had um, had Max when I was 36 years old and in my 20s had hypothyroidism, which I was um, under the care of an endocrinologist locally at the time and I was on Synthroid. Um, and, uh, other than that, my pregnancy was fine. I did test for, uh, uh, group B streptococcus, um, which is very common with women who are pregnant. And what was required was IV antibiotics at the time of delivery. Um, but other than that, I, I felt strong. I, everything went according to plan and, uh, my labor was induced, um, because I was, uh, feeling a lot of contractions and, the doctor, uh, when delivered Max, said, this is a beautiful, healthy, 
a baby boy. So what was his neonatal history like? Uh, he at um, he was fine. Um, we took him home at he had a little bit of constipation, um, which uh, later I found out was attributed possibly to the IV antibiotics that I was receiving, as it could interfere with the gut flora of the child, um, because he was um, you know I was still pregnant with him during you know during the IV and uh, the antibiotics and. Um, and so it was said that possibly the gut flora was a little impacted. And so he came home somewhat constipated, um, but he was fine. He certainly um, ended up having uh, his first bowel movement, and everything seemed to be going well. Um, he was uh, a little, uh, he, he, would nur- he was nursing okay. Um, later to find out, by the way, I wasn't able to nurse my children very long because of my uh, milk supply. So um, uh, he was a little bit difficult in nursing, but it was because of my milk supply that I later found out. But uh, other than that, he was was fine. He was sleeping pretty good, yeah. Okay, so we've established that uh, after a little bit of constipation, his gut floor began to come back into balance, his bowels resumed a more normal pattern, and then what happened? And then about uh, seven weeks old, um, Max um, developed a fever. And his older sister, Lexi, um, had what they called Coxsackie virus. And we believed he picked it up from Lexi. He did not have any of the sores that um, you typically get on your hands and feet and uh, roof of your mouth. But he did have a fever. So they attributed that to, his, uh, to my uh, daughter's Coxsackie. And soon enough, his fever went away and he was okay. And um, what happened after that? So he was seven weeks old. And uh, we were up for our uh, two-month, eight-week well baby visit. And that was actually um, the first time Max was to receive any vaccines, as he did not receive the typical hepatitis B vaccine at 24 hours. Max was to receive that with his other two-month shots. And um, we went in for a visit, and Max um, was cleared for his fever, and he had his... um, the well baby visit said he was doing great, and he received uh, a number of vaccines that visit. Okay. So he went to his well baby visit at eight weeks. He was mm-hmm. declared, when he got to the office, he was declared mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. He got um, multiple shots from the nurse. Were you prepared for what happened next? Absolutely not. Um, it was, you know, looking back, it, it it seems astonishing to me that I wasn't um, more in emergency mode. Um, although that night, Max became very colicky out of the blue. He became inconsolable. And um, we had had um, the, the good fortune of having a baby nurse, night nurse, for my first daughter. And I said, this is fine. I could totally handle it. We don't need need to do it for Max. So... Um, until that night, and I said, oh, my goodness, I, uh, I really need help here. I was totally exhausted, and my daughter was 18 months old, Max, obviously a newborn, two-month-old, inconsolable, uh, called up uh, a night nurse, and she came in that next day, literally picked her up at the train station, brought her back home, and um, I said, you know, I had also called the doctor and said, you know, um, Max is very colicky, and I didn't use the word inconsolable. I said, he's very colicky. I 
and I, I'm the type of person, oh, I could handle this. And so I didn't, I'm, I'm never, I try not to be the alarmist. Um, so the doctor said, oh, that's when colicky starts. That's when babies get colicky. I said, okay. Um, but because the evening before I could not sleep, the night nurse was on her way. I'd picked her up. And um, the second night after Max's vaccines, um, the night nurse was there. I checked in a couple of times, and I saw her holding up Max um, as she sat in the chair, and he was on and off sleeping and crying. And the next morning I said to her, I said, you know, you know, is this normal? And she said, I have never seen a baby so inconsolable at this age with no health problems. And I called the doctor, and he said, it, it, there's no problem. He didn't even say to come in. He said, does he have a fever? I said, no. He says, you know, the doctor said, you know, what are you doing? I said, I have a night nurse. It's all, you know, we have a night nurse to help me, and she understands babies. He said, it looks like you're in good hands. And, um, and I said, okay. And Max settled down uh, a day or two later. All right. So after the doctor said that that is, just when babies start becoming colicky, what did you do after that point? And did Max continue to, quote, unquote, settle down more? He settled down in that, you know, he he almost got exhausted from screaming so much. So his constipation came back, um, which we noticed shortly thereafter. Um, he seemed real... Hmm, you know, it's hard, right? Newborn baby, two months old, he was reserved. And my other daughter, you know, was, as the days went on, was more lively and jovial. Um, and he wasn't. He just became reserved. And I said, oh, you know, I just have a quiet one. And, um, you know, so after that, he, um, so when I say he settled in, he didn't, and looking back, didn't settle in um, in a good way. He settled in because he, um, you know, kind of dealt with what had ever happened to him at that two-month visit uh, with the shots. And uh, were you getting more shots? Uh, well, we we went in for our um, next round of shots. Uh, came at four months. Yeah, we did. We had no idea that that was linked to him being upset that night. Really didn't. I don't know why I didn't treat that as you know, an event that happened, I, I suppose. And, you know, knowing what I know now, um, that I, I trusted um, that it couldn't be the vaccines. The vaccines were there to make him well, to keep him well. And it was so um, uh, it pounded into my brain that that was the case. And how could that be? The doctor would have said, oh, my God, he would, you know, it must be the vaccines come in. Nobody was alarmed. That was probably the other issue. Nobody was alarmed. So with that, never thinking it was the vaccines when, you know, Max settled in and we went back for our uh, uh, next round of shots, which, which was at four months old. And after that, he didn't have as much of a, you know, inconsolable reaction. He just seemed reserved. But one thing for Max, which was, um, if you will, um, probably mis misleading for me, is his big, bright blue eyes always would shine and look at, you know, look up. And he would have this little giggle, and that was it. Um, he wasn't um, babbling. He wasn't pointing um, as the months came on. But I said, God, he's, he's bright and big blue eyes. And almost that to this day is what 
remained for Max when we, when we later on received his diagnosis, which was very tricky for many therapists and people who evaluated him um, because uh, it would almost be he would be able to say hi, and that was it. Wouldn't know, wouldn't answer to his name and, and so forth. So getting ahead of myself, um, it was um, hard to tell what was happening. Um, and, and when I went in for some of my visits, uh, the doctor would say, you know, he has an older sister. Don't expect him to be on the same trajectory as, as his older sister. He's a boy. Um, things that I'm just amazed when parents tell me that today. Um, and I find that amazing that doctors still feel the need to say, oh, they have an older sibling and, you know, boys speak later than, than girls. Um, so I find that still amazing to everything we know today. Um, and with the epidemic of autism for any pediatrician to ever, to ever say that today. And we're still hearing stories like that today. Less, I must say, but still, we're still hearing and, uh, stories. To our listeners, so you know that, that children with autism can be sociable, and Lisa's described some confusion because Max was sociable, and uh, lots of parents' kids are sociable, for example, to adults, but not to other kids, so it becomes a little confusing. And if, if what has happened to Lisa and, and Max has happened to you insofar as uh, what you were told about vaccines and not knowing uh, what was really going on, um, please don't feel guilty at all. You know, this is uh, we were what we were socialized to believe. This is what was told to us from professionals we trusted. And so don't feel guilty. And we're going to uh, come back and hear about the next couple of years with Lisa and Max at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enza Medical. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health. 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Lisa Rudley, and we're talking about Max. So how are the next couple of years for him? How are things starting at about two years old? Well, at, um, actually, just uh, he, I wanted to bring in that he also um, he walked late. He walked at 18 months old, whereas most children walk between uh, anywhere from maybe even 10 months, 12 months old to uh, 15 months old. Um, and that was one of the delays. Um, so we, we had that in mind. And then he, didn't, he wasn't really speaking um, a couple of words, but not a whole lot. And I was really worried. And I had, another, I had a, a great friend of mine who had a child who ironically had a genetic disorder called familial dysautonomia. And um, I was helping her out actually with some fundraising for this very rare disease. And I said, you know, I'm really worried about Max. And what is the process when there's delays with your child, what to do? And my good friend Melissa said, well, you need to um, call up early intervention. Here's a number of a case manager who is fantastic. I said, okay, good. Called the person up, started in with the process. And, you know, I'm thinking Max just had a little speech delay, just delays. And went um, for the evaluation, and he actually ended up getting speech, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and a SEAT, a special education teacher, um, to help um, him with his global delays. And, um, you know, he was also very hypotonic, and which is low muscle tone. So he started receiving all these services. And to my amazement, um, I live in Westchester County, and um, we were very fortunate because um, there, the services and the help that you receive for early intervention are very robust in our county. And um, so Max uh, was on his way for services, and speech teachers were coming in, therapists rather, were coming in, and he received a, a see it. The see it teacher would come in, and and I started asking, you know, what's going on, and when will he get better from the, from whatever these delays are? When will the delays be over? And um, he, you know, everybody said, well, you know, it's going to take some time. Some kids, you know, the same, you know, like anything. Uh, children, some children um, are uh, developed different. Everybody develops differently. And I, I remember asking some of the therapists, have you seen kids with constipation and, you know, cognitive issues? And they'd say, well, kind of. There's some parents that actually go on gluten-free diets for children that have autism. And so, well, do you think Max has autism? They're like, well, we really can't say. It's, it, legally, we're out of our, uh, it, it's not within our boundaries to say anything. We think that he's globally delayed. Um, you know, in order to get that uh, diagnosis, you need to go to uh, a neurologist or developmental pediatrician. Um, which we actually did go to, and he did not determine at that time that Max was autistic. They did determine that he had global delays. Can I tell my story again, Lisa? Sure. My son was diagnosed at Sears Portrait Studio. I huh. went to the developmental pediatrician at a well-known hospital, and they missed the diagnosis. It was another mother at Sears Portrait Studio when I couldn't get pictures accomplished. 
they had gotten harder and harder over time. So, you know, there's more for your life at Sears. He was diagnosed at Sears Portrait Studio. I mean, so I commiserate with you. Yeah, amazing, right? And and I kept I I kept though that in my mind that what I knew and I started actually searching on autism and and um um also I started looking um up information on um perseveration because I know he was a little bit doing that. I remember somebody throwing that word and I'm like, "What does that mean?" And, you know, and I started researching a little bit, and I kept asking, please, somebody tell me what it is so I can look this up. I mean, global delays is so broad. Um, well, anyway, Ed, um, so he started, you know, he started a couple of words. Um, he still has receptive language. He wasn't, he was really delayed. I mean, even I think they said at that point he was six months to 12 months delayed at two. So at two, you know. And, and there it was, it was still uneven. So um, uh, I, I happened to get pregnant with my third child, Derek, um, and it was when Max was two and a half. Um, I was near, and, near the ending of my pregnancy with Derek um, and went to um, an OB visit, and it was winter time, and the doctor had said, uh, my OB had said, you know, I think you should receive a flu vaccine for the whole family. And he said, and I said, me? I'm pregnant. You get vaccines when you're pregnant? And he said, yeah, sure, you know, it's it's recommended so, you know, the baby doesn't get the flu. Okay. So, and I trusted and, you know, really trusted in my OB doctor. And I think what he knew at that time was that he was, you know, for uh, for the greater good that he was helping our family out. So I went to actually our pediatrician and ironically they were, and I say ironically, they were running out of a supply of the flu vaccine. And so the crazy resourceful person that I am, which benefits me at sometimes, evidently didn't benefit me here because they said, listen, whatever you can, I need the flu vaccine. <laughs> and it was a recommended shot at the time. None of my children were in school uh, or any uh, uh, um, public education schools that they needed it. Um, so I begged the doctor and I said, listen, and I need one too. Um, <laughs> so they said, look, all right, you're, you're, you're very tenacious and we'll give your whole family the flu vaccine. So um, my daughter, and, and if it's your first vaccine and you're a child, you receive two dosages a month apart. Okay, so this was in October, and Derek, my third, was due to be born in January. And we all had our vaccine, October, and um, the month flew by, and we had uh, my children, Lexi and, D and Max, had to get their second flu vaccine, and uh, all was okay, and... Uh, Max did start getting a little more constipated. And, and by the way, Max, through this whole time, was a picky eater. He um, was constipated. He wasn't the best of all sleepers. He would wake up every nap very irritable. Um, and this was going on since two months old. Uh, so um, Derek was born January 9th, 2005, remembering Max had his flu vaccine, and he was... Actually, um, through those couple of months, he wasn't making any progress with early intervention. And he kind of made a little bit, you know, the prior six months. He was doing okay. Um, and in the Jewish religion, you have what's called a bris, and it's a circumcision for your, your uh, male uh, babies. 
and um, and females have actually what they call a baby naming. Um, and anyway, so we had this beautiful ceremony at our local synagogue, and I remember during the ceremony, so Derek was born um, uneventful as well. Um, we had the ceremony seven days later, and I remember um, where the ceremony's happening, and they're doing the circumcision, which is... Uh, uh, if any of you out there um, have ever been to a bris, it's it's very nerve-wracking for everybody involved, including the mom, and I'm sure for the baby. And um, I remember Max looking back, and he was sleeping in his um, his stroller. And um, I knew that any minute that he w- would wake up, he'd be extremely irritable. So I was hoping that the whole ceremony would be over quickly. And it was. He did wake up after the ceremony, and he was very irritable. I remember my husband holding him for about 30 minutes, and then we put him down. And I remember looking over at um, all the family and friends that were sitting there, and there were these big windows in the um, reception area. And I remember Max looking at his hands, and I said, what is he doing? And he was looking at the light reflecting in from the sunshine, looking at his hands, and moving them up and down. And so he wasn't quickly flapping them, but he was slowly looking at it, actually like he was hallucinating. And I I remember in my mind, I said, oh, my God, that and what I had read, I think he has autism. And I remember everything was a blur after, but everything came together after that moment. When was Max formally diagnosed? Max was formally diagnosed at three and a half years old. Um, we went to Columbia University for a, um, actually we were part of an, uh, a study that was going on at the time. They were taking a look at children with developmental delays and, and um, qualities like Max at the time. And the neurologist there diagnosed him with PDD. NOS, and as well as a, at the same time, I went to a developmental pediatrician locally, Dr. Stephen Cowan, um, in Mount Kisco, and he also diagnosed him with PDD NOS. And uh, Dr. Cowan uh, was one of the first people to tell me um, that Max, um, you know, also based on his history and his GI issues, um, that we should try gluten-free and a dairy-free diet, which I immediately started on. Okay. Yep. So when we come back from break, we are going to pick up with talking more about how you began to turn things around for Max. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back from the break with Lisa Rudley. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Lisa Rudley, and Lisa, in the last segment, we established that Max was formally diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which is on the autism spectrum, when he was three and a half years old. So how did you begin to turn things around for Max? Yeah, one evening, I uh, was asked by a good friend of mine uh, to attend a lecture on holistic healing approaches to developmental delays. And um, there, and that we had just received uh, the autism diagnosis at that point. And I still had in my head, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, it's just developmental delays. So I said, okay, this is a good place for me to start. Um, uh, To only find out, um, you know, just already sinking in that Max had autism, I went to this lecture and I met a practitioner, homeopath um, by the name of Mary Coyle who um, works with clients in the New York area. And I heard her speaking um, about how children with neurodevelopmental issues have toxins in their bodies and how the health of a person could be very impacted by the toxins in the body. And I kept hearing toxins. I said, God, what kind of toxins are there? And I'm thinking, okay, pesticides, true, you know, um, fuel um, from the airplanes flying over, but you know what? You know, and as the conversation went on and the lecture went on, she started talking about what was called homotoxicology, and um, and how the principles of homotoxicology is to reduce the toxins in the body through um, holistic and homeopathic um, methods and and products and uh, remedies, and how a body will repair itself 
um, and how the body is very um, smart and brilliant in that if you relieve it of its toxic burden, it will repair itself. And, you know, and we touched upon the vaccine issue, and all of a sudden the lights went on, and I said, toxins, vaccines, and it really was my, my most aha moment, and I've had many of them along the way after this, but that is when I looked back and I um, went in reverse and I said, oh, my goodness, thinking about all those shots that I had given Max and all the times that his health would change and how he was constipated and all those things that I talked about. Um, so I was really amazed, and I remember after the lecture, I basically ran up, tackled her, and I said, you got to start Max on homotoxicology because if, you know, if toxins is his problem, then, you know, this will remove the toxins. This will help him. So basically, um, Mary will say that I, uh, again, was um, tenacious and persuasive, and uh, she actually had a waiting list at that time. And um, so I waited a a month or so, and we uh, had our first consult, and we began the, the, um, the protocol, and we started, you know, with homeopathic remedies, to remove the toxins from Max's body. And uh, low, and I had already been on the gluten-free, casein-free diet. And uh, just so everybody knows, um, homotoxicology, um, and, and as I had learned, and I've learned over the last few years, that when you get a fever or when you get a cold or when you get a virus or a bacterial infection, it doesn't mean that you need to suppress and stop those things. That is your body's way of clearing, if you will, toxins from the body. You know, and so we're, and I was always so quick to give Motrin or to give antibiotics to, to stop illness. And um, so learning that and relearning how the body works and understanding it, I was able to go forward and say this is the right thing for Max. And as a family, we, my husband and I, Todd, decided that this would be the way to go. And, and just on side note, you know, Max would be very reactive to um, pharmaceutical medicines. Um, because we did put him on um, a, um, a uh, antibiotic, um, I'm sorry, a yeast, uh, an anti-yeast uh, um, protocol um, for just a short bit, and he became very reactive. So um, we then went on to starting the homeopathy, and lo and behold, he uh, became uh, he became a little brighter. And his therapist at school said, "What are you doing?" And Max started getting more fevers, and he started getting uh, he started getting sick more. And that was the other thing; he wasn't getting so sick. The only thing he really had was, for the most part, constipation, and he had you know one fever or so. Um, and I had to put him on antibiotics for several ear infections, but he wasn't really getting a, a true fever where you you know you sweat it out and you feel better afterwards. Um, So we um, began the protocol, and Max started getting stronger, and um, I started seeing the light that, um, and I started saying, gosh, I I can't believe it. These vaccines are definitely part of the issue. Um, And then going back, I stopped vaccinating our entire family. And uh, just to add to that, my third child, Derek, at four months old, actually had been negatively responding to his formula and actually he was vomiting a lot from his formula and once we stopped the vaccines and we actually started detoxing my third who was at the time we started probably around six to ten months old um 
who he then went on to also, Derek, receive services, speech and OT and PT. Um, he actually be, was declassified at four years old, Derek. And I feel that Max's journey helped save Derek's life because he was yes. actually more reactive. So back to Max, um, he started doing much better. Yeah, especially since you got that, got that uh, flea shot while you were pregnant. I was wondering how Derek was doing. I liked how you said, um, you know, we need to be retaught how the body works. And mm-hmm. homeopathy helps us learn that because homeopathy supports the body in the body doing what it was meant to do in the first place. Yes. Okay. So, and you, you mentioned the diet. So what were the gains on the diet um, versus the gains with homotoxicology? Yeah. Um, Just the in a general the sense. Di- yeah, the gains on the diet, um, Max became less constipated. Um, his GI uh, track issues seemed to um, slowly go away, um, a little less fogginess. Um, but, you know, with homotoxicology and, and what we were doing for the diet, it was very slow. We didn't have a big, all of a sudden, Max woke up and he was fine. But we had these snippets of more receptive language coming in after the homeopathy. So the fogginess went away with the diet. And the cognitive started coming in with the receptive language, um, with the homotoxicology. So receptive language slowly started coming in. So as with many of us parents who are on our journey to um, start healing their bodies, um, we, we do a lot of things. Um, but, you know, we started some supplements, some probiotics, and, um, and that helped. But mainly, you know, as we went through each detox protocol, um, Max, the key was he started getting sick, and meaning fevers. And um, meaning the body was working now. The body was working for the those end- people who think that a fever is always bad. Yeah, versus yeah. I mean, even you know, and I really didn't give him any antibiotics. Um, actually, at 16 months, Max got ear tubes. So, good news is we didn't need. He didn't have any more ear infections, and we didn't need to give any antibiotics. And um, but he, yeah, no, he started getting sick, and, you know, not every day and, and not all the time. But, he, but it felt as if after he was done with his fever that he was brighter and better and stronger. That's what I hear about some of the childhood diseases that, you know, our grandparents and great-great-grandparents grew up with. And, you know, I know people who are in their, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever, and these people are sharp as a pack. So, um well, just to add to that, so Derek, who, um, remember, I had stopped vaccinating at four months old, and my other two had gotten mostly all their shots, including the flu vaccine, um, and I guess Derek, uh, he did also, because he was, I was pregnant with him, got his flu vaccine. He actually happened to have the chickenpox this year, full-blown, because he never had the chickenpox vaccine. And actually, after the chickenpox, um, after he uh, healed from that, he was he he literally grew about a half an inch, and he was stronger. I mean, he was, he's uh, six years old It was a, when he was five and a half, and he was just stronger. And so I didn't have that for any of the other kids, really have them go through the chicken pox, which is the one childhood disease that I had. Um, that my, you know, again, referring back to that generation that talk about how, you, you know, it's good and you, you grow stronger after a, a disease like that. Well, Lisa, was homotoxicology the whole answer for Max? It was one of the biggest answers, um, but we went on to, um, uh, we were working with Mary uh, for a little while, and Max, 
it seemed as if his, um, you know, he was still very slow to grow. He was very small and still very fragile. And Mary recommended that we um, go and see an in, um, this integrative medical doctor named uh, Dr. Raphael Kelman regarding Max's thyroid. And so I had hypothyroidism, and I had mentioned at the beginning of the show I was on Synthroid. And I went and I had a, a consultation with Dr. Kelman, and we went and he explained to me that, you know, he also wanted to test me to make sure I was on the right dosage of thyroid hormone. And he said that clinically, um, Max looked like he had a low thyroid, hypothyroidism. And I said, well, Dr. Kelman, how could that be? I mean, I have looked at it before, and the lab tests showed that he doesn't have thyroid um, issues. But Mary had persuaded me to go. He said, listen, and Mary had said, look, Dr. Kelman has a different type of a test. It's, a, it's an actually old test called the thyroid um, uh, 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 thyroid-releasing hormone test that it actually challenges the pituitary gland and actually sees if it's functioning properly. And it's an old test that was used, very costly test, and I suppose the Association of Endocrinologists decided that the, the lab test that we have today would catch enough people. And as I met with Dr. Kelman and I learned that there are a lot of his adult patients would come in, their hair would be falling out, and all these issues related to hypothyroidism that he would only be able to detect with this test, the TRH test. So lo and behold, we had Max tested, and Max was extremely low in producing thyroid hormone. And also, as you can imagine, um, so was I. So the synthroid I had been on was not enough. So I go back, and my, my mind goes back to, well, I wasn't being properly, um, the dosage when I was pregnant with my children was not um, appropriate and not at the right dosage. So um, we went on to having um, Max um, received uh, what they call T3, T4 thyroid medication, which was compounded with no preservatives, no binders, and Max began his medication, and I began my medication, and I immediately felt energy. Did Max's medication help him? Yeah, it did. Cognitively, um, well, one, I started, he started having more energy. And interestingly enough, um, uh, his therapist noticed that more cognition was coming in at a faster rate. So not only was he able to learn, but he, for example, um, I remember every week, and at this time, Max was in a um, he was in a, a kindergarten um, class with supports. I remember, you know, just learning his ABCs. He would be excruciatingly hard to teach him, and all of a sudden, one day, he would just be able to say the whole alphabet out of nowhere. And we had been on the thyroid medication for probably a few weeks at that point, okay. so I started seeing things like that happen. Okay, and one last question before we go to break. But did any of this have anything to do with your hypothyroidism during pregnancy? After all, did you ask Dr. Kelman? Yeah, no, I asked Dr. Kelman, and um, he said absolutely um, that the thyroid could impact um, the the child while you know the, the mother is pregnant with the child, and that my low thyroid could absolutely um, affect the way in which Max's thyroid is developing, so which would leave him open to more susceptibility um, and his immune system weakened, more susceptibility for more toxins to enter his body. 
lo and behold, that's what um, we know has happened. Okay, so there was some sort of connection between the hypothyroidism and susceptibility to vaccine injury? Yes, that's that's what I learned from Dr. Kelman. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we're going to go to break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymatica. We'll be right back with Lisa Redley. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Lisa Redley, who helped her son, Max. And Lisa, did you use any other interventions for Max? What were the ones that helped the most, and what were the ones you think needed to be done together or in a certain order for best results? Yeah, um, well, we um, we did, uh, we worked with sublingual immunotherapy and um, NAET, which is also another form of allergy elimination, as well as um, uh, other therapeutic reha- rehabilitation programs, as I call it. So for the allergy desensitization program, I thought it was real important, and that worked really well with the homotoxicology in desensitizing Max to um, some of the foods that he still had issues with and environmental um, issues that he had allergies. And so that worked really well together. And, and being that I'm a, a parent of a run a support group, 
um, and have a under, good understanding of homotoxicology. We're seeing a lot of kids now having um, a lot of success doing homotoxicology and allergy desensitization, as well as having their thyroids checked. And for Max, um, all the therapies that I started, which I call the the rehabilitation program, such as Tomatis, which is an auditory processing um, program, cranial sacral therapy, um, floor time, neurofeedback, uh, vision therapy, where he wore prism glasses. All those things were able to say I got value for the time and effort and financial input we put in because he was feeling better and he was feeling stronger. So um, did a lot of different um, modalities, and we we really believe that homotoxicology, along with nutrition, the appropriate nutritional diet, and utilizing um, the help of the allergy elimination professionals, um, really helped with along with the thyroid um, balancing the thyroid, really helped Max's um, overall health and made him stronger and more available for learning. Ah. That's a great point. So you can't ask a child in school who's in great pain or you know discomfort or feeling miserable to get through his lessons well. It's not a behavioral thing. It's a physiological thing, and you need to respect the whole child and respect his physiological situation. Absolutely, and what's happening, and we see a lot in children who have not, um, who unfortunately are not, um, removing the things in their diet or um, going through any of these type of therapies that I described. When there are, um, edu- you know, at school, when they are um, under, you know, being taught and over, over and over again, given ABA programs and various other good things that would work normally um, with children, I believe that are um, detox and so forth, they're actually getting more stress on the body, right. and the body's in, in more of a, a stressful state, right. so it's perpetuating the problem. And, you know, it's interesting right. because I, I, I think on the, the children that don't get this kind of help and that it is biomedical and yeah. physiological, they end up, um, you know, the special educators will say, oh, well, it's, they're not really improving. You well, know, they're not doing education. the right things for the child. It's absolutely not that it's ever good, you know, but uh, it's absolutely wrong to, uh, you know, punish a child and uh, lock them in a seclusion room or something when they're crying because they're in horrific gut or esophageal pain. And if those things were remedied, then they would be, as you say, available for learning. So how is Max doing now, especially as compared to where he was? Yeah. um, So Max, um, at the age of four, um, and this is only one measurement, but he had an IQ test done, and it was a combined nonverbal and verbal of 59. And then at seven years old, we had it done again at the school, and he had a combined score of 82, and not, between 90 and 100, uh, above 90 is considered average, and um, between 90 and 110 is considered average, and Max had, an, uh, out of that 82 score, 91 was for nonverbal and 75 was for verbal, and the psychologist at the time stated that she believed it was even higher. And then today, Max is nine years old, and we were part of um, a study in, at Albert Einstein, an EEG study, looking at the brain waves um, of children with autism. The way that you were able to stay within the study is you had to have an IQ of average or above. And so Max tested out with an average IQ, a total average IQ of 
Um, I did not get the number. I'm waiting for the reports, but I was told the only way he could be in this study was if he had an average or above IQ. Uh So nine years old, Max is in an inclusion class, which is co-taught with a special educator and a general education teacher. He has some supports. Um, He is conversational. He is um, interacting with his peers. Um, he is um, currently going to a day camp, which is a, um, a, a mainstream day camp where they have a special needs program, which Max actually graduated from last year, and he no longer needs a shadow, if you will, at the day camp. Um, so he's able to um, function without any supports at camp. Um, we had Max in a, uh, a play this year. Um, and there were, it was not a modified play. It was, we didn't even tell the, the director that Max had any special needs. Um, I, I wanted to try and see if we can get away with it, and we did. Um, in terms of get away from, in, in not Max, you know, Max feeling free to do whatever he could do. And without um, everybody watching over him and trying to modify things before Max had a chance to try. Um, so he did really well. Um, and he had a lot of confidence from that, and he was also in a hip-hop show. Um, but Max still, you know, he has some anxieties, and he does um, today. He still um, loves to get fixated on things that he likes to be fixated on, and um, we're working on, you know, improving his social interaction with um, peers of his age. So Max emotionally, and I think developmentally, um you know, we would say is still delayed. Um, But he is um, definitely a strong nine-year-old, and he enjoys skateboarding, cycling. He's a great swimmer. Um, And he's just all the things um, that I only hoped for, um, uh, for Max, he's able to do. And um, I I feel very fortunate that I'm able to have gotten all this information from parents who came before me, um, therapists who came before me, and... um, places like Autism One, where I go every year religiously to learn of the new um, therapies um, out there. So we're very grateful to be here today and for Max to be doing very well. Well, Lisa, you've done a wonderful job. It sounds like Max is a bright, playful, engaging nine-year-old boy with the zest for life. Do you have any additional take-home messages for parents? Uh, You know, the body always wants to repair, and I've learned that over and over again, that even children that are older, a lot of parents say, don't you know, if you don't start young, you're not going to get good improvements, and that that I've witnessed that to not be true. Um, I always look at the body, and I just throw this in there. Um, I find it amazing that even stroke patients um, are able to get back full functioning, and I I really believe that our children, um, with the right therapies, and what we know now, and with the right rehabilitation therapies, can can lead um, somewhat of an independent, if not a fully independent life, with less supports um, than previously thought. And I think the the hope out there is very bright, and um, you know, and and I know that many parents, hopefully listening, will um, you know feel free to um, to look into the things I spoke about today. And I hope it helps your children as much as it, it has helped mine. Well, Lisa, thank you for sharing this encouraging information and message about how you've helped your son move forward so much. And to our listeners, an article by Lisa Rudley and articles from practitioners whom Lisa has referenced, like Dr. Raphael Kalman, Dr. Darren Ingalls, Jerry Brewster, and Mary Coyle, can be found in past, current, and upcoming issues of Autism Science Digest. The August issue is shipping now. 
please go to the Autism One online store at www.autismone.org to subscribe. Um, if you don't get your issue in August, it will be in select bookstores in September. And don't forget the National Autism Conference in beautiful, sunny Tampa, St. Pete, November 10th through 13th. Please visit www.nationalautismconference.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.